Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Good morning, everyone. Are you enjoying being in church so far today? Hi, I'm, I'm enjoying it. My name is Nathan. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at One Church, and it's my privilege to, to welcome you today and to, um, and to take this part of our latest teaching series. If you're new with us, what we tend to do is we spend a certain duration of time focusing on a particular topic, and, and this series that we're in at the moment, um, that we're focusing on up, up until Easter, is called Risen. That's the name of it. Um, and Pastor John started us off two weeks ago. Um, and we're in part two today. So if you have a Bible um, or if you're taking notes, you can write down Philippians 2. Um, or feel free to turn there with me now. Uh, Philippians 2, it's a letter written by a man named Paul to the church in Philippi. Um, and we're going to go from chapter 2, verse 1, right the way through to verse 15. I'll give you a second to turn there if you want to turn, or it will be on the screen behind me. And we're going to read this together and spend quite a long time around this verse together today. And it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, um, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's a good block of Bible, isn't it? Um, so what, what I love about what Paul does, just in that flow of thought that we've just read there, you can almost break it down into three parts. If, if you put part one, what, what he's encouraging the church there to do is, is to be like-minded, have the same love, be one in spirit, so, and to show humility and be humble towards one another. So you've got that, that part there. He then says, so be um, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he gives this amazingly succinct account of Jesus' death and resurrection. What was really going on there? That, that he, he descended, he made himself nothing, he, he became obedient to death and death on the cross, and therefore God exalted him to the highest place. He gives this awesome message, and now he has the name that is above every other name. And then, so that's so part one, be humble, love each other. Part two, how great Jesus is and what he did. And then part three, essentially he says, don't, don't grumble, don't moan or argue. 
So one, be nice, kind, love each other. Two, this is Jesus. This is the, the death and resurrection. This is what God did. Three, don't moan. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing sort of thought progression, isn't it? And, and, and what's he doing? He's, he's taken this amazing truth of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive, that he's the name above every other name, and he is grounding it for the people that he's writing to. He's grounding it in their reality. This is, this is exactly what this means for you. This is how this should affect us. This is, this is how this should impact our interactions and our relationships and how you think and perceive. This is the resurrection. This is what you should do. He's grounding it. He's saying, Jesus is alive. Be like-minded. Jesus is alive. Love each other. Be kind. Jesus is alive. Live your life without arguing or moaning. And, and what I want to do today in the short time that we have with one another is, is take the, the resurrection this, this huge, amazing concept that it is, that, that Jesus uh, redeeming and reconciling humanity back to, back to himself and, and ground it in our reality. Is that okay? Are you with me? If you want a title for the message, it is this, the reality of the resurrection. Okay? You can write that down, the reality of the resurrection. Come on, let's, let's, let's pray together, then we'll continue. Father God, we thank you that we can just spend this time together around your word. And Lord, I pray, as always, that your word would be louder than my words and that each of us would leave today that much closer to you with a really clear picture of who Jesus is and the reality of the resurrection in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you were to ask me what, what football team I support, I would answer Liverpool. Wisdom. That's a more passionate response than service one. If you were to ask me, name one single player that plays for the team, Liverpool, probably couldn't tell you. Ask me who the, um, <laughs> Stephen Gerrard, I don't think he does anymore. Ask me who the manager is, I couldn't tell you. Sounds like cloth, does it? Clock, clock. Cloth, yes. Cloth, thank you. Um, <laughs> Because I, I own a Liverpool shirt as well. And, and I think what, what it is, it, it came from, as a child, I picked a team to support. Um, it was Liverpool. And then I kind of grew up and I realised, I don't really like football. <laughs> so, and, and just on behalf of the leadership here, um, I want to I give a, a sincere apology to anyone in this room that's ever felt condemned, judged, or, or looked down upon because you don't like football. All right? It's okay not to like football. I mean, you know, it's a, few, a few claps, a few, a bit divisive, but but I, I it's, it's just and for whatever reason, I've tried, I've tried to lean into it and I've tried to uh, you know understand it, but I just, it's not really, doesn't really. I, I enjoy watching a game, but but past that, I have no interest in it. And sometimes people talk to me as if as if I do like it, and they just they're straight into the conversation. You know, did you see that ludicrous display last night? And, <laughs> And I'm, and I'm there, and, and you have a choice, don't you? When, like, when anyone's talking to you about a subject that is of, you know, either you have no idea about or little interest in, you have a choice, don't you? To either cut them off and seem rude, to say, I'm sorry, what you're talking about bores me. <laughs> All right? That's option A. Or option B is you, you go along with it, don't you? And just hope that you don't get found out as a fraud. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lose-lose, really. I'm too polite to cut people off. So oftentimes I'll just go along with it. And, you're like, and it's amazing how far you can get in a conversation just by going, oh, what? no. Oh, oh, that, that. I'm desperately trying to think of something that relates to football. Oh, Mourinho, oh, what's he like? What's he like? Who's Mourinho? Um, 
yeah. But I've got the t-shirt. I've got the t-shirt. Now, if you were to ask me, do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe it happened? Yes. If you were to ask me what difference that made to me last Thursday? Hmm. Now, if, if I were to ask you, do you believe in the resurrection? Like, I'm, I'm sure like, where we are, like in church today, I'm sure there's many of us in this room that would say, yes, that's, that's a belief that you hold, that, that Jesus died and he rose again uh, for our sins. Now, if I were to ask you, what difference did that make for you last Wednesday or on Friday? What's the, what's the thinking? What's, what's, the, what's the response? Now, I don't want to be patronising or sort of suggest that you would, you would have no answer to that. Because um, I'm sure we could think of something to, to, to answer that question with. But the, the challenge that I'm getting at and what I want to kind of talk about today is, is, is that at the forefront of our minds? Is that, is that what we think about? Is it the, the lens for how we view our, our reality and our every day? Is that how we think and process things? Um, a few years ago, there was an investigative journalist uh, called John Runson, I think his name was. And he did a study on the Alpha Course. And, and for those that don't know, the Alpha Course is a 12-week introduction to the Christian faith started by a church in London. And this, this journalist wanted to know why the course was so successful. Because I think, it's like, I think it's now millions of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the Alpha Course. And, and he wanted to know why. why. Why was it so successful? And particularly with um, agnostics. It, it, it seemed to have great success with taking someone that was neither an atheist nor a theist and just helping them progress logically almost along this journey of finding faith to become a theist, for starters, and then to become a Christ follower or a convert, as he was putting in this article. So what he did, he signed up for the course. And he actually took part in Alpha. Um, and he described his experience in this article. And you can Google it, um, and, and it's, it's all, on, all online. Um, and he's really positive about his experience. Like, the, what, he, what he found, like almost like the theology of it, the logic of it, it all made sense to him. He even quotes C.S. Lewis in his article and says he really liked the quote. I mean, I've, I've got, a, got a good C.S. Lewis quote coming up, which you can all look forward to. I can tell that you're anticipating that. Um, and, and he... And he he kind of, you know, he enjoys the course. Now, the Alpha course ends with a weekend retreat um, where the people that have taken part in the course are given an opportunity to, to experience the presence of God, like the space there just to, to encounter and, and to almost like put into practice everything that has been discussed. And he then, in his writing and in his account of what happened, his, his tone changes when he started describing the weekend. He went from really having quite a positive description of what was going on to having quite a negative, cynical description. And he started using words like tricked and started using words like cult. Um, and from what I could tell from what he was describing, the, the, the tone or the actions of the people hosting, it was, it was Nicky Gumbel, I think, that was actually hosting the course he was on, d didn't, didn't change. It's not like they suddenly brought out you know, snakes and was like, ah, let's, let's, they didn't get weird all of a sudden. It was still very normal, but the fact that, that they were suggesting that you could experience what they were talking about, he, he, he didn't like that thought, and he didn't like the change. And what, what challenged me when I read that, and I've seen it in, so like some of my friends would call themselves agnostics, or they would even say they're, they're a theist and, and that they believe in something, um, but they're very comfortable with leave, leaving that something over here as a concept and as, a, as an idea. Grounding that in their reality, however, is a step that they just don't want to make, are unwilling to make, and, and, and are quite comfortable leaving that as, well, that's, that, so the resurrection, that's a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it did happen, but that's not, that's not reality. That's not what I live in every day. That's not what I can kind of experience and 
And, and, but they do that without ever really asking themselves what they mean by real or reality and just live in this kind of world where we can keep that over there and I'm just going to do me. I'm going to get on with my life over here. And it challenged me because I, I recognise that in myself as well. I recognise my ability to confine the resurrection and what happened, the fact that Jesus died and rose again, to this big concept, to this big idea. And grounding it in my everyday reality is perhaps a step that I don't often make or don't make often enough. You see, because I can, I can know that Jesus came, say, he came and he died for my sins. So scripture says as far as the east is from the west, that's as far as he's removed our transgressions from us. Yes, that is a great thought. And yet, in my reality, I can, I can live with a sense of condemnation and guilt over the things that I can think I've, I've done wrong or I messed that up there. And I can live with that condemnation in my reality. Or, or I can know that, that he, he came and he died and he, he died for everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So, so that's, that's everyone. And he, and he sees everyone equally and loves everyone equally. And that's, that's the idea. That's the concept. Yes. In my reality, I can be quite quick to judge people. And I can be quite quick to uh, ridicule, to exclude, um, to criticize people that are just a little bit different to me. Or I don't see eye to eye with or who I find you know, not all that agreeable. Be quite quick to do that. I can, I can read verses like we've read. So he's the name that is above every other name. Amen. Yes, come on. In my reality, I am attributing more authority to the things that I worry about than to the name of Jesus. So I'm not, it, it exists over there as a hazy thought rather than proactively and intentionally pulling it into my reality. So what I want to do is, is using this, this uh, block of text that we've read in Philippians is use it as a bit of a case study to, to say, okay, with what's written there, how can we pull the concepts that Paul's talking about and articulating so well, how can we pull that into our everyday reality, the reality of the resurrection? And I see in his writing an invitation to do just that. He says, so continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't just, don't just make do with keeping like an elementary understanding of what the resurrection was and, and keep it over there. Continue to work it out. Continue to be intentional with it and to put it into practice and to reflect on it and to consider new things about it and to grow in it and to, to, to work it out. So I see that invitation there. And, and if we go, go back to his thoughts and, and this picture that he, he paints of what, what happens. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What I see in this block that we've read is, is this idea of a, of a descent and then, a, then an ascent as well. Descent and then ascent. So what, what, what do we have? We've got, we've got Jesus descending. And that, that's the, the, the first part. Didn't consider equality with God as something to be held on to. That's descending. Taking on the very nature of a servant. That's descending. Becoming obedient to death. Descending. Even death on a cross. Descending. And this picture of descent captured in there. And, and what helps me in thinking about that and, and reflecting on, okay, why, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus descend? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why did Jesus have to die? And why was death something that needed to be conquered in order that I could have a relationship with him, in order that I could have forgiveness? Why was that something that, that Jesus needed to do? And, and my thought and my reflection on it, and there's loads of great thoughts and, and, and we can find it in scripture, but one of the ideas is um, death is where he needed to go because death is where we were. Yeah. So the, so the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible said. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all in this boat together. We've all sinned. So the, the Genesis narrative, it, it gives this story of the moment where uh, humanity broke from God's perfect plan. And, and, and the perfect world that he had created became fractured and, and broken. And it's described, when sin entered the world, it's described as the fall. We fell. We fell out of perfect union with God because we chose to take our eyes off him and place them onto ourselves and live for ourselves. And, and we fell then. And, and the place we fell to was death. So, so Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, God representing life and being, the opposite of that, Death. Death, this great unknown, the ultimate insult, that's where we fell to. And, and the picture I have that helps me grasp this, because it all gets a bit conceptual, is this, um, you know when you sit in your car and you have an item in your pocket, say it's your phone, and your phone falls out. It never falls to an easy-to-get place, does it? Somehow, that device defies physics and logic and just makes its way down past the, you know, the huge compartment that's in the door, which you'd think it would fall into, and then kind of to the depths and the bowels of the footwell, you know, yeah. where, the, where there's dirt and crumbs and a, a wine gum that's been left there for years and, and a crushed Coke can, I'm describing Lauren's car now, um, and receipts and, and fluff, and, and that's where the phone goes. It descends to that point, doesn't it? And, and if the phone is of any value to you, you will choose to descend to get it. You will go to that footwell to pick it up, to reach past that, that strange sticky thing, which I don't want to think about, to, to get down. And it, there's nothing glamorous about it, is there? You kind of, you know, awkwardly descend to, to reclaim what was yours. And, and what strikes me is that what we see here in this descent is that Jesus, in his life, he was descending. In the incarnation, he was descending. In his humble living, he was descending, looking for you. Yeah. <coughs> looking for me. Yeah. Going to the place where death was. In, in his humility, he was descending. That moment when he um, accepted the cup that was going to be passed to him. Not my will, but yours be done. He was searching for you. allow my emotions to grind me to a halt. Service one. Will not be the case again. <laughs> Let's read it. Ah, come on. I've, I've almost like shot myself in the foot by, by writing stuff that really makes me that emotional, but that moment he stood silent whilst being mocked and spat on. See, I, I, I apologise for having to make jokes like, at my own kind of emotion here because if I don't, I just won't talk again. And, and it doesn't make, doesn't make for good preaching. Good talking. Um, oh, come on. The back torn apart. Uh, nails driven into his hands. That's Caleb giving me a hand. <laughs> all of it paints us, all of it, what, what he's doing, he's looking for you and he's looking for me. The excruciating pain, the crucifixion, his lungs being filled with blood, all of that is a descent to the, to the death where. Yeah. So we have, we have that concept, 
and, and it's, it's, it's this huge picture and it's, it's beautiful and it's brutal and it's, and it's messy and, and it's this descent to, to find you and to find me in the death where we had fallen to. There's the concept. Like, what difference does that make? How does that impact our reality? Like, how, how do we pull that into our everyday, into our Monday and into our Wednesday? And, and, and for me, there's just, just two things. You can pull so much out of, out of that. Just acknowledging the descent, you can pull so much out of that. But um, one, that's incredibly humbling, right? Yeah. It's incredibly humbling. Yeah. Like when, when I start getting, um, when I start thinking of myself a little bit like uh, more highly than I ought to, when I start looking at my achievements and what I've done and who I am as a person and think, yeah, no, I'm doing well here and, and, and pride starts to set in. It's a, it's a great reminder. If I can pull those concepts into my reality and into the forefront of my mind, no, where I was was, was the footwell of death stuck on a wine gum that's where Jesus got me that's where he pulled me from he pulled me from the pit and placed me on a rock yeah. there's, there's nothing it's by his grace that I'm saved it's not by my works it's, it's a gift that he stooped and he, he descended to, to find me there like what an amazingly humbling truth that is and if we can live our lives and interact with others in that way with that truth at the forefront of our mind what an amazingly humbling thing that is and, and second um, it's so affirming as well. Like what a what a, a validating stamp of our worth that is. That that Jesus would descend for you, and go through all of that just to get you back. Like and and just so, someone needs to hear hear this that um, that he didn't go through all of that and demonstrate that and we talk about and sing about the reckless love didn't demonstrate all of that so that we could live our lives or you could live your life telling yourself or telling other people how worthless you are you know because surely and and so when for me dragging that into my everyday and dragging that into my reality when I start and when I'm tempted to start looking at other people for validation or looking for affirmation from from others to, to, to give me a sense of meaning and purpose or looking at my possessions or what I've done my achievements if I can pull that into my reality I what else do I need what else can I possibly strive for what else could could accolade or possessions give me when, when the God of the universe descended to find me. Good. If that can be a truth that's at the forefront of my mind yeah. every day, like what sense of contentment and peace could we have? Yeah. But we don't stay in the footwell. There's the descent and there is the ascent. So if death was the villain, if death, death was the enemy that needed to be defeated, defeated, he did. Yeah. By rising again. Death has no hold on me. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. And he rises again. And, and here's the, um, I know you've all been waiting with bated breath for the C.S. Lewis quote. Here it is. Um, it says this. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world with him. One has a picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. I love that picture. That he descends to hoist us all back up again. You're not staying there. Come on. 
hoist us all back up again. And, and we read it in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And Ephesians 2 verses 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For again, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, this is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. That's a good bit of scripture, hey. So he descends to the death where we were, grabs us and hoists us back to life. I'm made alive in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and see that the new is here. I'm on an upward trajectory. I have an untouchable hope. And, and so, so we have the concept. There's the big picture. How does that get pulled into our reality? And I've just pulled three things from it, and there'll be many more I'm sure you can get from that idea that I'm ascending with Christ, that he has pulled me from the depths, that I'm on a set trajectory. And, and number one um, is untouchable optimism. That, that I'm ascending. That it doesn't matter what this life throws at me. Like Paul writes about this, and you can, you can feel his optimism when he writes things like to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live, if I have a life, it's going to be fruitful and God's going to use it. It's for a purpose. He has a plan and a purpose for it. I have optimism about that. If I die, I'm with Christ. It's a gain. It's a win-win. Yeah. Like the, for me, I can't see how you can penetrate that optimism. Right. doesn't matter what life can throw at me. If I'm on that trajectory, I'm going up. I'm ascending. Yeah. I'm, I'm raised with him. Yeah. That's this impenetrable optimism. The, another thing it gives me is an amazing perspective. Amazing perspective. We, we read in, in Ephesians, so, so Paul is um, talking about the descent and then the ascent, and it says, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended lower than the earthly regions? There's that picture again. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It's like he's trying to find language to, to say where Jesus went to, what he did, what he accomplished, where, where he's gone. And for me, the perspective that grants me is what problem, what trial, what challenge could I possibly ever face that's bigger than that? That's bigger than the universe. It's, it's this amazing amount of perspective. And if we can intentionally and deliberately every day pull that into the forefront of our mind to remind ourselves of that, that what I'm facing, what I'm going through, this, doesn't, this isn't bigger than Jesus, who fills the universe. And I don't want to make light of anyone's problems or trials that are in this room here. But, but let's view them through that lens, through the lens of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive and I'm alive with him. My trajectory is set. Nothing will overcome that amazing perspective. And, and lastly, just, just a, an incredible hope, an incredible hope that, again, destination is set. My best days are always ahead of me. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I make. doesn't matter how many times I fall on my face. His mercies are new every morning. He has a plan and a purpose for me. Best days are ahead of me. I'm on an upward trajectory. And so I'm going to get better 30, in my 40s, in my 50s, in my 60s. My, my, I'm going to be an awesome 70-year-old, tell you, you know. And, and when I'm promoted one day, 90s, 100s, 100s, I'm going for 120, come on. 120. <laughs> Just run an ultra marathon. Maybe not. Um, 
I'm going to get promoted again. It's going to go up because I'll be with him in glory. There's an untouchable, impenetrable hope that we have because we've been raised with Christ. Let's pull this into our reality. Let's not be content to confine it to just this idea or a concept or a thing that we just celebrate once a year. Each and every day, let's live with the reality of the resurrection. Amen? Come on. Uh, Band, you can come up and, and, and join us. Um, and I, I want to um, give us a bit of a tool just to finish this thought and something to do um, this week in the build-up to, to Easter Sunday. Um, and that is this. We're gonna, I'm going to encourage you each and every day to set a resurrection reality check. Just turn to the person next to you and say, resurrection reality check. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Easy to say. Resurrection reality check. But to not make do with just living in, in kind of like reality every day and then putting this thought to the side. No, let, let's view our reality and let's shape our reality through the resurrection. Amen. And what we're going to do, resurrection reality check, um, I'm going to encourage us to do this now and I'm going to do it with you, um, is put a reminder on our phone. Okay, so you can pull your phone out now. Reminder on your phone. Um, if you don't use your phone as a calendar, um, you can use your, your conventional calendar, maybe at home, so you might need to do this when you get back on the fridge. My parents still use that. Um, um, so every day, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my reminder with you now for about 3pm because that's when I start craving sugar and I need a bit of a pick-me-up and a reality check when despair starts to sink in because I've not had any food or drink or anything like that. Um, that's, that's when I'm going to set mine for. And, and what we're going to do is just a little reminder of what the resurrection means. So I want you to start this reminder and I'll give you a second to do it and I'm going to do it with you. And I'll go through, here's some examples of what I'm talking about. So Jesus is alive. So, and again, if we look at what Paul did, Jesus is alive. This is the resurrection. And he said, don't argue, don't grumble. Jesus is alive, be kind. So here are some examples. Jesus is alive, he has conquered sin and death. Jesus is alive, he will have the final say. And maybe you want to put things like this as a reminder. We'll just say amen as we say these together. Now, Jesus is alive, I am a new creation. The old me is gone and the new is here. That is my reality. Jesus is alive, my best days are ahead of me. Jesus is alive, stop moaning. I'm going to give myself that one. Jesus is alive. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus is alive. My worth, validation and purpose, they're all found in him. Jesus is alive. Be kind today. Jesus is alive. Bring unity today. Jesus is alive. I am alive too. Jesus is alive. He is bigger than my problem. Jesus is alive. I am a masterpiece. I'm just going to finish off my Jesus is alive reminder. Come on, three and done, every day. Let's not be a community of church that, that wears the t-shirt that says Christian, Christ follower, without that having any bearing or, or fruit or outworking itself in our reality. Let's, let's take the resurrection and each and every day all that into our reality. Pull that to the forefront of our mind, to live with that truth. I am alive in Christ. I am seated in Christ. I am on an upward, hope-filled, life-filled trajectory that ends me in the best place ever. 
Amen? Come on. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song which just says this, and I would love to pray for you. Um, The song says, By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. You can sing that if you believe that today. Come on, let's raise our hands and pray together. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you descended for us to find me, to look for me. But you did not stay dead. You did not stay in death. But you defeated sin and you defeated death and you rose again in victory. And we live in that victory today. And we have the hope of the resurrection. We have life of the resurrection, Lord God. And help us to live each and every day with that as our truth, that as our reality. That we are alive, God, because of your grace. We are alive because, Jesus, you are alive. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's raise our hands.